Whew, isn't that awesome? Let's give the worship team a hand. That was incredible, guys. Unbelievable. Very excited this morning. We are going to have a fiesta right after this service. I'll try to keep the message at three hours today. It's a joke. <laughs> but I'm excited about the fiesta. You know, we're celebrating our ninth anniversary, nine years as a church. Isn't that incredible? When I think about the number nine, prophetically, it means fullness, usually. Um, think about it. The Holy Spirit came at what time in the morning? Nine o'clock in the morning. There are nine fruits of the Holy Spirit. They're not gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's a word that represents fullness. And I just have a sense that we are getting ready, even felt the raindrops this morning, to experience the fullness of God. Not just one side of him, but the fullness. So I am excited about today. I think today's more than just a celebration. This is a crossing the Jordan type moment is what I sense and it feels like for us today. So really excited. Father, I just thank you right now for your presence that is here. And for the next few moments, I pray that you would just take every word out of my mouth and it would be yours and not mine. That you would flow so swiftly into this room. That your word would run swiftly in our hearts and our minds. We welcome you and we honor you in this moment. I pray that you would open our ears to hear and that you would open our eyes to see things that you're revealing and speaking that we've never seen before. I pray that you would release a hunger and a desire as this message is going forth for your word. That there would be a desire and a hunger that begins to fall on every one of us in our life right now to hunger and thirst for your word in a way we never have before. I pray that, Father, in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Awesome. We've been in our series, Acts chapter two, the series that we've been talking about today. We are talking about the word. The word. So I want you to go. Let's go there quickly. Acts 2. We could put that on the screen. We'll start there as our key verse. Acts 2, 42 through 43. And we'll start here. I want to read it. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching. Everyone say teaching. Teaching. And the fellowship to the breaking of bread in the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. I want to talk to us today specifically about the apostles' teaching, namely the Word. And when I prayed about this morning and, and how to prepare, I really felt and sensed the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Michael, I want you to share on the two forms of the Word in the Greek New Testament, which is logos and rhema. I want everybody to say that with me. Say Logos and Rhema. These are two expressions in the New Testament Greek language that we take from the word. And you may have some understanding in it, but you may not. And so I think it's very foundational and wise for us even to revisit defining these terms as we see them spelled out in scripture. So I want to give us a few definitions to first work with. The first one we have for logos word. This is a simple definition that I find really help, helpful. When we read the Greek logos word, it says it refers to the constant 
written word, right, which is recorded in the Bible, right? We have an amazing book in our hands, the Bible. And this is when we read the Logos word, a lot of times, this is what we are referring to. When you read the Greek New Testament and that word Logos appears, it's referring to this written word. Now, here's a fun fact about that. The word Logos is mentioned over 300 times in the New Testament. That's quite a bit, isn't it? 300 times in the New Testament. And when I think about the, the, the Logos word, I mean, I just ask myself, how incredible is it that at our fingertips that we could tangibly hold a book or on our devices the actual written word of the God of universe? I mean, could you imagine if we didn't have that? Imagine if we didn't have the Logos. What would we be missing out on? We would be, we would be missing out on knowing God his ways, his intentions, his plan for our lives. We would miss out on so much of knowing God if we didn't have that Logos word. And not only that, we would miss out on who we are in him and the real purpose and meaning of life. We find all of those treasures when we read the Logos word of God. It's incredible. It's incredible. One of the most stunning quotes to me about the Logos word actually comes from the Apostle John. In John chapter 1, 1 through 3, let's read that together. Incredible verse. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. That word there is Logos. In the beginning was the Logos word, and the Logos word was with God, and the Logos word was, was God. And I believe the Apostle John really strategically opened his letter here. And basically, essentially what he's saying, he's saying, listen, the written word of God, the, the account from the garden to revelation is summed up, has been, and still is in the person of Jesus. Can I get an amen? Jesus is the summization of all of the written word. That's what, that's what John is saying. In other words, in Jesus, we see the almighty God. We see the all-powerful, the all-holy, the ancient of days, the creator of the cosmos, of the universe, of our planet. We see the Father in all of his glory in Jesus. But we also see the fullness of the Holy Spirit in Jesus the spirit of truth who leads and guides us. We see the human plan for redemption in Jesus. All of those things exist in him and through him. And John the apostle is making this point. And I really believe he's laying down a foundational truth to the early church. And he's saying, and you gotta be devoted to that. You have to be devoted to the Logos word. He said, but I want you to see that it's more than just words on a page. It's more than just even stories. It's living and it's active. And I want you to see that. The other word definition is the rhema word. Here's a simple definition for the rhema. The rhema word refers to the instant and direct spoken word of God to us. It is a fresh and present word revealed to us by God for a specific purpose. 
So when we hear the word rhema, when we study the word rhema in its context, that's what it's referring to. So it's a little bit more personal, if I can put a word on it, that's revealed directly to us. Now, here's another fun fact about the rhema word. The word rhema is mentioned over 70 times in the New Testament. Isn't that interesting? You have 300 times the Logos word is mentioned, and then we have 70 times which the word rhema word is mentioned, and that is important to know. One thing that I love about the rhema word is you know what it reveals to me? That God is not a God just who listens to us, but he's a God that speaks. He's a God that speaks to us. The kingdom, as the Bible defines, is voice activated. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God said, let there be light. And there was. Through the spoken word, God spoke our existence into being. Isn't that powerful to know? And I don't believe that we understand sometimes how powerful our words are. I've always said the biggest lie ever told to us as children is that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me. That is the biggest lie from the enemy because the truth is words matter, don't they? Do you know why they matter? Because they matter to God. I wonder, do we have the same value for words as God does? That rhema word teaches us that God has a high value on the spoken word, on his word when it's released in word form. Rhema word for me is what we refer to as that small, still voice. Have you ever heard that phrase before? Hearing that small, still voice inside of us. That's, that's a rhema word. The rhema word can come to us in all forms, shapes and sizes, by the way. It can come to us through dreams in the night. It could actually come through us through the Logos written word. It can come through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, through the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the prophetic word. All of these are different variations in forms of rhema that can come to us. In fact, God can also and will at times use anyone and everyone to speak to you. Have you caught that yet in your relationship with God? I've learned there's nothing off the table. He'll speak to us through our family members. Sometimes that's harder than if it's a stranger. <laughs> He'll speak to us through our friends, our close friends. He'll speak to us through strangers, though, won't he? He'll even speak to us through our enemies. The Bible goes so far in the account of numbers with Balaam that God actually speaks through a donkey to get his word across. What's the point? The point is, I think sometimes we box and minimize that rhema word and how it comes. And I want to expand our mind and our thinking to, to realize, wait a minute, God could really speak in any way he really wants to. And I should be open to that. Never forget, I was at Potter's Wheel, which is a faith-based recovery program in North Carolina. It's coming out of severe drug addiction. And they were teaching us how to have a quiet time. They were teaching us how to read the Bible daily. Didn't know the first thing about hearing God. Didn't know the first thing about the Bible, really. I was there maybe three months, but something happened to me on just a normal morning. I'll never forget it. 
I went out to this gazebo out on the property. It's about 7 a.m., bright sunny morning in the fall. And as I was sitting there, I remember opening my Bible and I began to speak to God. And I began to basically pour my life out. And I was a mess at that time. I didn't know where I was going. I didn't know up from down, left or from right. And I just remember saying, God, I want to hear you. I want to hear you speak. And when I said that, immediately I opened my eyes. I've never saw it since then. But there was a flock of red cardinal birds. You know the bright red cardinals? You know, the males are bright red. The females are lighter. This, there, there was about a half a dozen, six bright red male cardinal birds. They were sitting right in front of me. And as soon as I opened my eyes, they went... And they fluttered away, like went up in the, went up and flew away. And after that happened, I heard that voice inside of me say, Michael, from now on, anytime you ask me for something in prayer, I'm going to send you a red cardinal as a confirmation that I hear you. That's three months out of crack cocaine in the streets. It doesn't take long, guys. I sat there and I began to weep and cry. Can I tell you, almost 20 years later, I can look at significant moments in my life and whenever I've prayed and asked God for direction, where are we moving the kids to? Where are we going? God always is faithful to send what? A red cardinal. When we first moved to Greenville, South Carolina, we were really seeking the Lord about a rental house to move in. It did not look like it was gonna work out at all. It defied everything. And so I prayed. I said, God, I need a sign that this is you. As soon as we pulled onto the street, it's like in Spartanburg, some of the green street signs, guess what they have stamped on them? A red cardinal. I began to weep. He took me back to that moment. What do you say? I'm saying I begin, he began to train me to learn and recognize his rhema word when it comes. See, God will speak his rhema word to you in patterns. For some of you, he may speak to you more on a certain day of the week than others. For some of us, it may be different. For me, it's red cardinals for confirmation. Have you ever asked him that? What is your pattern? Because he will speak to you in a pattern that's unique to you and your relationship with him. That's one of the ways you can train yourself and recognize his rhema word when it comes to your life. Isn't that awesome? Red cardinal. Awesome. All right, we're going to I want to go a little bit more into that in a minute. Um, I want to share a few observations just to help guide us. Three of them, matter of fact, about Logos and Ramos. Let's put this on the screen. I got it. I think this will really help us. All right, we ready? The Logos word helps us know God in an objective manner. I'm going to say that again. The Logos word helps us to know him in an objective manner. The rhema word helps us to know him in a subjective matter, in a subjective matter. You see, the scripture, as we approach the Logos word, is absolute truth. This is the truth of God's word. And through the facts of verses in scripture that we have, it's an invitation to know him in an objective way. And that's important. That is very important that we actually just not know him. We'll get there in a second, but we know about him. Can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. We have to know both. We have to know about him and him personally to be fully complete and mature. 
So approaching the Logos from that way, it's really awesome and wise, and it will help strengthen your foundation if you approach God in that way, that you could actually learn and know God objectively through your study of the word. Do you know where we see that? We see it in Acts 6.4. Watch this. Look at this, Acts 6.4. This is when the food pantry ministry was going on in Acts, and they're distributing the food, and they're raising up seven leaders because there's an there's a issue going on and they, the apostles delegate the, the food pantry to seven leaders. And then this verse appears. Look what it says. And we will give our, that's the apostles, our attention. Look at the two things they're giving their attention to. Prayer and what? Ministry of the Logos. Not Rhema here. Logos. They're giving themselves. What are they saying? They're saying we are really feel value in we're serving the poor, the needs, but we have people that can do that. What's better for us right now is if we pull back, establish a leadership structure that that can continue, but we devote ourselves to the ministry of the written scrolls of the Old Testament that were available. So there's time and study that the apostles are giving in their daily, weekly schedules to studying the word of God. Same thing for you and I. We are moving into a time and an era where it's not gonna work anymore if we just read the word casually. If we just read it whenever we want to. There has to come a place in our life where we develop and create habits and rhythms that are consistent, where we are chewing and devouring the written word of the Lord. Amen. Because it feeds us in a way that nothing else can. It strengthens us and nurses us in a way that nothing else can. The Logos word will instruct you. It will guide you. It will heal you. It will wash you. It will help you shift your way of thinking. It will get so deep inside of you that not, I mean, it will be almost impossible, impossible not to actually go to it every day. Not because you have to, but because you want to. When I was in that place, in that re recovery program, when that cardinal thing happened to me and I heard God for myself, there was a desire that awakened inside of me. And all of a sudden, the leadership didn't tell me I had to do my quiet time. I was already setting my alarm 30 minutes before so I can have extra time because I wanted to know the God who wrote this book it's the only book in the world where the author is present with you when you read it. Come on. It's incredible. And I think sometimes we approach it too casually because we don't understand the fullness of what it is, what it means, and how it transforms our lives. How about you this morning? Do you have that same value for the word as the apostles did, as some of the people they devoted themselves this is what that word is saying. They devoted themselves to the Logos word as a custom, as a tradition, as a practice and a habit that wasn't religious, that wasn't in striving, but that was natural, that was relational, and that strengthened their faith in the beginning. On a personal level, this right here will lay a foundation in your life. It will lay a solid foundation in your life if you give your time to it and see the value to prioritize your schedule in our busy lives. If we 
can do that. It will create such a foundation in our life. And you know why foundation is important? It's because when the storms of life come, and oh, you better bet they're coming. They're coming. But the stronger your foundation is in the word, the more less likely you will be like that man who built his house on the sand or the wave tossed to and fro, carried away by every doctrine that comes out of the mouth of every gifted leader. You'll have an ability to discern because you have a strong foundation. You won't be swayed. You'll be more secure. I think a lot of times right now in the church, so many who are struggling and battling with theology, their own relationship with the Lord, if we pull the onion layer back, I just wonder, were there seasons where foundation laying was bypassed? Again, the Bible, the Logos word, will help you to know God objectively. Now, on the other hand, on the other hand, the rhema word will help you to know God subjectively. What do I mean by that? The rhema word will help us to grow, to know him in a subjective way, which we actually experience God through that word. And there is somewhat of a difference there. Let's go to Romans 10, 17. The apostle Paul is instructing us about this reality. Look what he says. So faith, everyone say faith. How many know that we need faith, how important and crucial faith is? So faith, now he's telling, telling us where it's going to come and how it comes. Look at this. Comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. How does faith come in our life? Hearing. And what is the word there? Rhema. It comes to hearing the rhema word of Christ, the rhema of Christ. Now just let that marinate for a minute because I got a question about that. And the question is that I have to Paul when I read this verse is what word, what word of Christ are you talking about? What rhema of Christ? You see, he's tying it back to Jesus who is a person. And what basically is Paul is saying is saying faith is critical to our relationship with the Father. So critical that without it, we won't be connected to him. But I'm going to show you how to get there. And he says, faith is awakened essentially in us when we hear the word of Christ for ourselves. For faith to be substantial, it must be personal. Faith has to be personalized or it will always remain superficial. Faith has to be rooted in the reality that you experience God for yourself and you got that word deep inside of you. That's what makes our faith our own. And we need that. That's what's so powerful about the rhema word. When you hear for yourself, the God of the universe speaks directly into your soul or into your situation it does something on the inside of us, guys. And Paul is saying, there's faith. We all have a measure of faith, right? We've all been given a measure of faith, but sometimes that faith is dead in us. It's dormant in us, and we don't activate it. We don't step out into it. And Paul is saying, but one of the reasons to overcome that is you got to hear for yourself the rhema word of Christ over your life because when he speaks to you, it works as an awakening agent to awaken your faith. And then you can move with God because that is happening on the inside. 
And this, guys, this, this strikes me. It, I'm stunned by the rhema word because I've seen it work in my own life. Have you seen it work in yours? Again, worst, lowest moment of my life, lowest moment of my life in the rehab center. When I sat there and I just didn't even want to look to heaven, I was so full of shame and guilt. And I just I finally uttered the strength to utter the words, if you're real, save me. And his response, I'll never forget it. I heard it. He said, Michael, I love you. And I've always loved you. And in that moment, in the worst, darkest moment of my life, what struck me the most is he didn't remind me of everything I did wrong. But in that moment, he, he connected with me and he poured himself over me. But the point is this, I heard the word of Christ for myself and it awakened a faith inside of me that's still burning bright. And I'm afraid that in the church today, we have a lot of folks who have been going to church faithfully all their lives, tithing all their lives, giving and serving all of their lives, but they have yet to experience the rhema word of Christ for themselves. God gave Amber and I a word through a prophet in a dream years ago at Regent University at a church. And he said, part of your life will look like God's going to help. He's going to send you to places in the earth and you will help people who think they're saved but are not really get saved. I wonder if some of the greatest harvest fields ahead are in the church, in the pews. And it just makes us question in a good way. Wow, do I really know you? Do I have that personal relationship? Do I have that history with you? Do I know that rhema word? That's really, really awesome. They personalized. Yet you got to remember, it said they, they weren't devoted to the apostles. They, they weren't just devoted to their favorite leader or their favorite voice. Likewise, it also doesn't say they were devoted to the signs and wonders that came through the apostles. But they were devoted to the word that flowed out of their mouth. And what the scripture is teaching us is that the community in the early church had a faith that was personal to them affirmed and strengthened by the leaders around them. Man, that's, that's just really good for us to keep in the forefront. All right, number two, second observation I noticed when I was thinking about this and studying it. The Logos word expands our capacity to receive the rhema word. The stronger our base is, essentially the more we develop consistent patterns and rhythms to study the Logos word in our life, the stronger our base is, the stronger and the more capacity we will have to receive that rhema word when it comes. If we have a small base of logos, we will actually have a small capacity to receive the rhema and recognize it when it comes. But the longer our base is, the stronger our base is of the logos word actually expands our net to receive and recognize the rhema word and the voice of God when it comes to our lives. Think about the Apostle Paul. 
No other apostle, disciple in the New Testament arguably has a stronger foundational base of logos than Paul. But when he goes through his transformation, right? He becomes Paul from Saul. It's just interesting to me that it is him that shapes and writes the majority of our theology in the New Testament. He receives so much rhema. He says it in Galatians. I received the gospel not taught by men, but through revelation revealed to me by Christ. Paul had such a strong base, but I believe it expanded his capacity to receive the rhema word. So he actually formalizes much of our theology in the New Testament. He writes a majority of it. But I really believe one of the biggest reasons why is because he gave the Father something to work with. (laughs) What are we giving God to work with? What are we giving him to work with? Isn't that awesome? We see that cry come out of his heart in the church of Ephesians. In the Ephesus church, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16 and 17 And he prays, Father, I pray that you would give the spirit of wisdom and revelation to the church that they may know you better. In many ways, what is Paul praying? He's saying, God, give them the spirit of wisdom, skilled learning that really does come from the Logos word. Give them a spirit, give them an attitude, give them a desire to get in that Logos word, but equally give them a desire to receive your rhema word revelation when it comes. Because they they may know you better. I don't have many points today. I got one. And I'm driving it home. And here's the point today. Logos and Rhema is needed. We need them both. We can't have one without the other. They are both interchangeable in the New Testament. Oh, let's go to the third one and we'll start to wrap up here. I feel the Lord on this so strong. Last one here. Look at this. The Logos and the Rama word are designed to be married together. They are not in competition with one another. They are not jealous of one another. It has been the tactic of the enemy to compartmentalize the Logos word from the Rama word in the church over centuries. He has tried so hard to divide camps and denominations over Logos and Rhema. But the reality is in scripture, they were never meant to be divided, but they were meant to be married, serving one another in a mutual submission to add to the full growth of the believer. If we only have Logos without Rhema, we'll be Pharisees at best. If we only have Rhema without Logos, our faith will be superficial. You need both. We need both. In the days ahead, we have to grow in those ways. One of the best ways um, that I could think about this is Jesus and Satan in the battle in the desert. I want to share these last verses. These, These are unbelievable. I've never seen it this way before. I want to start. Can you start in Matthew 3, 16, 17 first? This is right when Jesus is baptized. Now watch this. I've never seen this before. And when Jesus was baptized, he immediately went up from the water and behold, the heavens were open to him. And he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove coming to rest on him. And behold, this is what I want you to catch. We've read it. Some of us have read this many times, but I want you to see it in this light. A voice. Someone say a voice. 
This is a rhema word from the Father to the Son. Not in the written word. This is a rhema in the moment present word falling from the mouth of God to his Son in the Jordan River in front of people. A voice from heaven said, this is my beloved Son, who I am well pleased. All right? Now, right after that moment, we read of the temptation. Let's go to Matthew 4. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came. And he said to him, I want you to catch it. If you are the Son of God, Jesus heard a rhema word from his father that said, you're my son. Just look at it in a different light. When the enemy is tempting Jesus, he's coming to attack his ability to hear rhema from father. Command these stones to become loaves of bread. And then look what Jesus says in return. But he answered, God, it is written in the scroll. I, I love that. Could you imagine if we were like in lawn chairs watching this scene? I mean, it would be like, it's epic. Light and darkness, heaven and hell colliding, the souls of humanity on the line. And Jesus, just confident, it's written. Man shall not live on bread alone. I think Jesus is giving us something here more in this conversation than we ever thought. He's, he's not going to live by bread alone. Food is one of the greatest metaphors for scripture in the Bible. He's not going to live on bread alone, but he's going to fall from every, guess what that is? Rhema that falls out of the mouth of God. One of the tactics of the enemy to help you recognize this is that the enemy will use the Logos word to trick us into doubting the rhema word we heard for ourselves. I can't tell you how many people I talk to and they struggle. Did I hear God's voice? I don't know how to hear God's voice. Voices and thoughts in our head are only going to come from three places. They're coming from God. They're coming from the enemy or they're coming from our own fleshly thoughts. That rhema word, the more you grow in it, you will discern those three voices and how to understand and recognize them. Because the enemy will always tempt us. He'll always trick us and will actually use the Logos word, just like he did through the Pharisees to Jesus to get us to doubt what we've heard for ourselves be true from God's mouth to our hearts. At his core, Satan is a religious spirit. And he always is trying to lure us into that trap. But what Jesus says, this is what I take from this. This is what I feel like he showed me. He's saying essentially to us, man can't just live on Logos alone, but by every rhema that falls out of the mouth of God. I'm going to say it again. We need both. We need both Logos and rhema. We have to have both.
Do you know why that's important? Do you know why hearing that Rama word is so important for you? Because it's something the enemy will never steal from you. It's something he can never take away. That's why I think this is my personal thought that he actually will try to manipulate the Logos word more because he knows that Rhema word because it's personal from God's mouth to us and nobody can take that away. No matter what the enemy throws at my life, no matter what he accuses me of, no matter what is thrown at me, I know one thing for a fact that on that day on faith laid at Potter's wheel, I heard God say, Michael, I love you. He'll never take that away from you. So I just encourage you this morning, if your marriage is falling apart, if your kids are on the run and disconnected, if your finances are in a mess, whatever the situation, whatever the condition, lean into him and receive a word for yourself. Receive his word to you. I promise you, it will walk you through whatever you're going through. And that is something the enemy will not steal from you. Isn't that good? Let's end here. Practical tools, four quick steps. Number one, know your why when approaching the word, both Logos and Rhema. It's so important to know your why. The more you know your why, it will sustain you when it gets weary and when you get tempted to fall in religious patterns that can become religious or when it becomes stale or dry, Knowing your why. For me, that looks like this. I want to study maybe a book of the Bible, a character, and I really begin to ask myself and talk to the Lord, what is my why? What do I really want to get out of this? What do you want to teach me? Knowing your why puts you in a position where you pursue him. And when, he pursue, when you pursue him, he'll meet you. Number two, create a 30-day plan. I, I've learned 30 days is a great marker. Create some 30-day plan, whether you're going to read a book of the Bible Choose a story of the Bible. Stick with it. Create a 30-day plan and read that word. Also, journal. Commit yourself to journaling one time a day for 30 days. Ask God, what are you saying over my life right now? What are you speaking to me right now? And then wait and listen. This is how we train ourselves to hear that rhema word. Number three. Read and journal with the word first. Read commentaries and resources second. I've been guilty not to do this sometimes, but I have learned it is so much better when we do it this way. The reality is because commentaries, although really good and can be so helpful, if we go to that first over time, we're really getting somebody else's. They devoted themselves to the word, to the teaching, not just the leaders, right? It's really good to keep that in mind. Number four, last one. Share what you read and learn with others. The more I shared my testimony over the years, the more the reality of who God was in my life became rooted. Same principle applies. The more you read and study, the more you grow in the word, the logos and the rhema, share it with somebody. Share it in your job. Share it at your work. Share it with one person. Just share one thing you've learned because what happens, yes, they're encouraged, but you are strengthened. And if there's a root in your heart that's about that long, it'll go a little bit longer and deeper. The more you share, the deeper the word gets in you. It's awesome.
Awesome. All right, let's stand. If you truly, really resonate with this word and you're in this place where, Father, I, I really want a hunger and a desire to know and grow in your word, Logos and Rhema, I want you to hold out your hands right now. Father, release grace in this room right now for hunger. It says in Ezekiel, you, you commanded him, eat the scroll. It will be like honey. Father, I ask that you would release a desire in this room to eat the scroll. To eat the scroll. To receive your rhema. To move and grow in both areas, Father. I bless everyone here with that desire, that level of devotion and commitment in the days ahead. In Jesus' name, amen.